welcome to Fair Folk. I am Danica Boyce, your host. Fair Folk is a radio show and podcast exploring folk culture and music from around the world. The show is hosted by Smithers Community Radio, CICK 93.9 FM, and you can find it at smithersradio.com. This episode of Fair Folk, I'm delving into the rich, musical, and mythical history of Finland. First, a track from contemporary folk act from Finland, Launau. This is Valol, Light. Thank you. 
One of the most northern nations in the world, Finland is dotted with lakes and islands. The land is rolling, smoothed by heavy glaciers that, compared to other areas covered by the last ice age, were late to leave. A great majority of Finland is covered with taiga, or boreal forest, filled with pine, spruce, and birch, and guarded by their national animal, the bear. In the summer, in northern Finland, the sun never sets. In the winter, it never rises. One of the most popular pastimes in Finland is visiting the sauna in winter. You might say a culture that has such dramatic polarity of climate would produce music with starkness, drama, and beauty befitting its landscape. And you would be right. Finland, of course, produces fine music in all genres, but their folk music stands out because, fed by a strong and ancient tradition, colored most dramatically by traditional songs from Karelia called runes, many of which were collected into a text called the Kalevala in the mid-19th century, which is now considered the Finnish national epic. The singing of these songs is called in Finnish runalaulu. Rune singing has a variety of purposes, storytelling, healing, but most importantly for our purposes, recording the origin of the earth, of its gods, its animals, and its spirits. In this episode, you'll often hear the cantile, a zither-like plucked string instrument that is the most common in Finnish folk music. The first cantile, the Kalevala tells us, was made of a giant pike's jawbone and played by Veinamoinen, the primary figure in the epic. Perhaps because of Finland's luminous history of runic singing and Kalevalic chant, Finland has developed a stunning a cappella and choral tradition. An example of that is Sudin Aika with Armaton or Ruthless. Tell me, tell me, 
Time for Fair Folk Almanac, a calendar of forgotten holidays to help you get your feast on. In the Christian tradition, the season of Advent begins on November 27th this year. At this time, many Christians will make an evergreen wreath and lay it on a central table in their home, every week lighting one of the four candles representing the coming of the light embodied in their primary figure, Jesus Christ. Children open doors and special Advent calendars to reveal toys, or most commonly now, chocolate candies, every day leading up to Christmas on December 25th. Some households will set up a miniature nativity scene, also called a creche, which is a three-dimensional model of Jesus' birthplace, a stable. The makeshift cradle is left empty until the evening, December 24th, which tradition places as the night of Jesus' birth, and when the little baby Jesus figure is placed inside. Advent derives from the Latin adventus, meaning arrival or approach, and it is a penitential time when Christians prepare themselves for the coming of their God on earth and meditate on the apocalypse. In Germany, the three Thursdays before Christmas are called knocking nights. Children in rural parts of southern Germany will dress up in masks on these days and go door to door chanting rhymes, ringing cowbells, and banging on dishes to frighten away evil spirits. Like in North America at Halloween, families the children visit will give out candy, coins, or fruit to their young visitors. The new moon is on November 29th, and this has been your Fair Folk Almanac for this episode. Sularalalei, tämä 
That is the Finnish folk song Kai Pava, performed by Rayatan. It describes the heartbreak of a young woman after her lover has gone. The Sami are an indigenous group central to Finnish culture. The Sami, whose homeland spans the northern parts of Norway, Sweden, Finland, and Russia, were traditionally hunters and worshippers of animal spirits, principal of which was the bear. The Sami had a forest god called Laib Olmai, or in English, the Alderman, who ruled over all of the animals among the trees. He appeared in the form of a bear and was responsible for success in hunting, which could mean life or death, as pre-agrarian Sami survival was dependent on their relationship with animals, particularly with the reindeer that they're known for herding. Sami musicians have been known to use a variety of instruments. Perhaps the most important is the ceremonial drum used traditionally by their shamans, who are called noidi. If you're not familiar with the term, a shaman, in the cultures who recognize them, is a member of the community who acts as a healer, a spiritual protector, and a mediator between the human and spirit world. There were two principal ways that the Sami Noidi used their drums. 
First, the drum is covered in symbolic images, which were used in divination. Here's how it worked. An object used as a pointer traveled across the drum when it was played, and the image it finally landed upon provided insight into the situation in question. Second, shamans would play their drum in order to enter a trance state, in which they could travel to the spirit world to obtain assistance or healing for a member of the community. Also used in these rituals was the deeply spiritual and powerful chant style called yoik. This is a type of song that evokes the essence of an animal, a person, or a place. These songs were often improvised and sometimes imitated sounds from nature if the subject being yoiked belonged to the natural world. This is a Karelian-style yoik from the Sami ethnomusicologist Karolina Kantalinen. Kaas 
Rovarella koko appera, niin se kuori venehtää vielä kaappera. Matkarijärvera, rannalla tai Uotojärvera, rannalla time for Fair Folk Footnotes, where I dig into the cultural archives and unearth the origins of things in popular culture. Today's footnote is on snow, specifically the way it smells, or doesn't. The day before yesterday, my mother told me she could smell snow coming. Sure enough, before dawn the next day, the yard outside my window was blanketed in white. And when I went outdoors for a walk, the air smelled distinctly cold and mineral in the way I've known my whole life that snow smells. But if snow is really just frozen water, how can we actually smell it? Scientific answers to the question vary. Apparently, changes in the weather can alter our ability to smell. In winter, the mucus layer around your olfactory receptors dries up, dulling your sense of smell. But it loosens when the humidity rises, like in the time before a snowstorm. Therefore, your sense of smell becomes more acute, so you may be smelling your environment more fully. But not the snow itself, says one researcher. Then you might just come to associate this change with the advent of snow. So that accounts for my mother's prescience. But what about my experience of smelling snow itself after it has fallen? Odor molecules apparently move more slowly when the air is chilled. Therefore, we should be smelling less in the winter, whether there is snow around or not. So some scientists believe what we are noticing is more likely the lack of scent rather than the presence of it. Cold air also stimulates the trigeminal nerve, which is the same one that stimulated when you cut onions, which actually increases the intensity of perceived smells. According to one scientist, snow contains a number of chemicals, such as nitrogen dioxide, formaldehyde, nitric acid, dimethyl sulfide, and sulfate, which each have their own distinctive smell. Moreover, apparently water itself has a scent. So what we smell when we smell snow is both the lack of scents, usually associated with outdoors, plus maybe some water and chemicals thrown in. This is Yose Katsukalo and Kolmas Malipanlalo with Simon Ranala. <laughs> Thank you. 
Christian Finnish culture, the soul was composed of three parts, Henki, Luantu, and Itze. Henki was the physical life force responsible for things like breathing, the beating of one's heart, and body heat. Luanto is the guardian spirit. If it leaves the body, illness would occur. Someone with artistic skill would be considered to have a strong Luanto. Itze is the personality, which could also leave without causing death but prolonged absence would cause depression and other illness. If someone lost their itza or their luanto, a shaman might be employed to journey to the spirit world to bring that part of their soul back to them. This next track is by Maria Soria, Ixikaksikolminelia, one, two, three, four, let me be happy. Koska suru tulee, anna hänen mennä. Parmat ne laulaa, neljä hiirtää hyppelee. Kissi lyö pihit rummun päälle ja koko maailma pauhaa. Yksi, kaksi, kolme, neljä, anna iloinen olla. Koska suru tulee, anna hänen mennä. Yksi, kaksi, kolme, neljä, anna iloinen olla. Koska suru tulee. 
Kalevalaic poetry, that is, poetry in the Kalevala tradition, there are a group of songs called Sinti, which are songs concerned with the origin of different phenomena. Often, these songs were used for healing by the Tiatayat, who were Finnish traditional healers and wise people. The belief was that speaking or singing about the origin of an illness or pain would dispel that pain or difficulty. Healing spells might, for example, include words like Kilatunin Sintimazi. Indeed, I know of your origin. The most famous Sinti is Raudin Sinti, the origin of iron, which the Kalevala records Vainamonin recited for the first time in order to heal a deep axe wound in his knee, with assistance from an old man who listened to the song and took direction from it. There are many, many variants of this song, and six in Elias Lonrot's edition of the Kalevala, which was the first collection of these songs together in writing in any particular order. Here is a version of the Raudin Sinti from that text. Water is the eldest of the brothers, iron the youngest of the brothers, fire in turn the middle one. Fire began to get bad, the flame to get careless. It rose up exceedingly, grew quite horrible. It burned fields, burned fens, many fields, many fens, during that great drought year. The wretched summer of forest fires, 
year of uncontrollable fires. Iron was able to hide, to hide, to save itself. The old man growled from the stove, uttered a word, spoke thus. Where did the iron hide? Where hide, where save itself during that great drought year, the wretched summer of forest fires? Steadfast, old Vainamoinen uttered these words. Yonder then did iron hide, both hid and saved itself, on the edge of a long cloud, in the crown of a sturdy oak, in the nipples of a young maiden, in the armpit of a young girl. There were four maidens there, three brides in all, with full breasts, aching nipples. They milked their milk onto the ground, let their breasts spurt. One milked out black milk, the second spilled white milk, the third fiery red milk. From the one who milked out black milk, from that one bar iron is born. From the one who spilled white milk, from that one iron ore is got. From the one who milked out fiery red milk, from that steel is made. Then iron hid, hid for one year, saved itself a second in a shifting quagmire, in a splashing spring, on the very big surface of the fen, on the top of a rough bald hill, where swans lay their eggs, where the goose broods its young. A wolf ran along the fen, a bear wandered in from the heath, the wolf brought up soil from the fen, the bear iron from the heath. Now in Finnish, by Vera Voima, this is Rauden Sinti. Saatiin melto rauta, ja kun valkein vaan. 
The next track is also from the Kalevala and takes its melody from older versions that can be heard in early archival recordings of the song. It describes a conversation between a son and a mother where she comes to know that he has recently murdered his brother for being in love with his wife. After his mother figures out what has happened, she asks him when he will return home. He replies, painfully, when the white raven flies. And she asks when that happens, and he says, when the black goose appears, and then when a rock dances on the water, when the night is bright, when the moonshine warms the earth, when the stars dance in the sky, and finally, when the judgment day comes. This is Akayi with Velisirmaya, the brother slayer. Poikani ilainen, meren rannalta, meren rannalta, äitini kultainen. Mitä sieltä tekemästä, poikani ilainen, hevostaan ilottamasta, äitini kultainen. Selkäsi saaveen tullut 
Hyvän pohjaan painuu pohikani poloinen. 
the distinct poetic style of the Kalevala can be summed up in alliteration, parallelism, and trochaic meter. I won't touch trochaic meter today, but alliteration is the repetition of initial consonant sounds in verse. You might recognize this style of writing if you've read Beowulf in Old English, but for those who haven't, it doesn't translate well into English because of our grammatical structure, which tends to place rhymes at the end of a word rather than the beginning, like in this type of poetry. Therefore, much of the sonic beauty of the Kalevala verse is lost in its translation to English. Parallelism refers to the repetition and restatement of an idea in different words within a line of verse. Here's a random passage translated into English to show you how this parallelism works. A little man rose up from the sea. A fellow came up from the waves. As high as three fingers. As tall as an upright thumb. There was room for him to lie under a bowl. To stand under a sieve. The next track is another archival gem. An early recording of a song collected in the Kalevala that demonstrates beautifully the rhythmic quality of the unaccompanied rune singing. It gives you a sense of what it would be like to sing this in a group. You can almost feel it in your body, in your heart. This is Departing Song, sung by Anna Kivisu and the Rima Chorus. Hey, hey, hey. 
finish with a song written by Tapio Rautavara in 1953 and performed here by Launau. This is Yoksi Sinahuma or Run My Horse. Yeah, 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Fair Folk. Until next time, have a wonderful two weeks.